Our scripture reading for today is from the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. We're going to focus on uh, verses 38 through 45. However, we invite you at some point to look at the whole chapter from verse 1 all the way to 45 because you will see a lot more of what unfolds in this story. And so, friends, I invite you to hear these words from the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth. And his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, one of the very personal things that we own or that we have or that we rent um, is our home. It's kind of a sacred space. We want our home to feel like, well, home, right? It's an important place where all of our stuff is. So I have a question. How many of you would be willing for me to be your full service realtor? How many of you would sell your home right now, give me all the money, And trust me to go and buy a new place for you, even though you've never seen it. No hands went up in the air. (laughs) And why, why is that? Well, because we want to be involved in these decisions because it's our home, right? And plus, you have no idea if I'm a good realtor or not. Not even that great of a preacher. How could I be that good of a realtor, right? Now, now, okay. So think about this. How many of you would trust in someone like that, right? How would you trust someone with something so precious as where you live? In the 11th chapter of the letter of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews talks about faith like that. And I pulled a few quotes from the message paraphrase of Hebrews. For instance, this is what it says about Abraham. Abraham believed that God would provide a new home for him, and he left before he had seen that new place or even knew where it was. Abraham was called by God and given a promise that he would be the father of many nations, and God said, okay, Leave where you are, and I'll take you to the place where you're going. And God never told him where it was, what it looked like, or anything when he asked him to leave. And Abraham packed up and went. 
And Hebrews 11 says he did that because he had faith, because he believed in God. Hebrews 11 goes on and says, Noah believed in God that it would rain, and he built an ark while the ground was bone dry. The people of Israel believed that God would save them as the waters receded around them in the Red Sea, and they walked across believing in God so that they could get to the other side. This is how Hebrews chapter 11 begins. Again, the paraphrased version from the message. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. This word believe, of course, is very central to our life as Christians, isn't it? To completely have faith, to have complete faith in the Bible means that we are completely trusting in God. In fact, when you read the word believe or belief in the Bible, it often is better translated as something like to entrust or to have confidence in. It's not simply to acknowledge that God exists, but to trust in God, to have confidence that God will be there for you and will do what God says he will do. For instance, the word believe shows up a lot in our text for today, especially if you were to look back to verse 1 in chapter 11 and go all the way through verse 45. Jesus shows up after Lazarus has already passed away. And when he's walking towards Bethany, where they live, which is about two miles away from Jerusalem, when he's walking towards the family, Martha, the sister of Lazarus, walks towards him. And the very first thing she says to Jesus is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, her, her belief is there that, that Jesus is somebody important. He, she believes that if Jesus had been there, Lazarus would still be alive. But what is her feeling now? It's almost like it's too late, right? What's happened has happened. Jesus arrived too late to do what she thought was possible. Jesus then tells her, you know, Martha... If you believe, if you believe, you will see great things. You know, if you believe in me, then you will never die. For I am the resurrection and the life. And what's interesting about Martha's response is that she kind of ignores, she kind of ignores that I am the resurrection and I am the life bit. She instead says, I have believed that you are the son of God, the Messiah sent by God. I have believed that. I still believe that. But again, she's not believing about what comes next. And who would? Even though Martha is displaying a lot more faith than the disciples really ever do in the gospel of John. Martha has shown a lot of faith already to this point. And yet it only goes so far. Jesus tells her it needs to go a little farther. And he's going to show her with what he does next. 
This word faith is really important because Jesus is asking her not to simply believe that he is the resurrection and life, but that he can handle our lives. He can handle this situation of life ending and life being renewed. It's not just to simply say, I am God's son. I am the Messiah. Don't just believe in who I am, but believe, trust that I can handle even this. Martha's response, if you had been here, I believe you could have done something, but Jesus wants to open the door to I can even do something now at this point. Well, after people think the door has been closed. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And then he goes to the tomb after a brief encounter with Mary. At the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus says, take away the stone. And this is where the miracle really truly begins. The sign that the gospel of John wants us to pay attention to. And there are two acts of trust and faith that really stand out to me in the actual portion that we read today that talks about the sign and the miracle. The first is when Jesus says, take away the stone or roll away the stone. What does Martha say? In a sense, please don't do it. He's been dead for four days. There's already a stench. Uh, This is, in some commentaries, uh, a reference to the fact that this is not someone who has fallen asleep or who is in a coma. He He is dead. And there is literal proof that he is dead. That's the first act in trusting in Jesus that they actually do roll away the stone. Because some people, in fact, maybe most people, say, leave the stone where it is. But again, they trust in him. They, they question it, but then they actually do it. The second sign of trusting in Jesus in this moment is when they unbound him. Because Jesus says to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out, and he comes out, but, you know, he's, he's still wrapped up. He's still bound up. And, and I know some people are wondering what's actually going to be inside those wrappings. But Jesus says, unbind him and let him go, and they go and do it. And what they find is not scary. What they find is their friend, their brother, Lazarus, raised from death. Two acts of faith that are requiring trust, right? Trust. You've got to trust that Jesus is about to to really do something, or else we're just going to open a tomb for no reason. You've got to trust that he really is alive to unbind him and let him go. It's very important for John to tell us that Jesus is worth trusting in, not just to acknowledge he exists, not just to acknowledge that he's the son of God, but to actually trust in who he is, what he says, and to put our lives in his hands. But this can sometimes be a difficult thing for us, right? to really put all of our trust in his hands. We may not trust other people for certain things, but we want to trust in in Jesus, but sometimes we're worried about the things we put into his hands. Number one is, is it the right thing to do? 
And number two, is it safe to do? Author and pastor Kerry Newhoff uh, said that sometimes the line between radical trust and stupidity is actually pretty slim. What he says is, is that sometimes uh, we can see something as a step of faith and it can, be, it can be a step of faith, but sometimes it can just be foolishness. Is it trust or is it irresponsibility? And that's a difficult line sometimes, right? We all probably know of some people who are not trusting enough in God and they hold several things back. And we probably all know some people who've done some foolish things thinking that God will just take care of everything. And so the question there is, what is actually a step of faith? Where are we called to believe and where are we called to listen to wisdom? Where are we called to listen to wisdom? First of all, we have to understand this is the seventh sign from Jesus. He has shown six times before that he is worth believing in. And when he literally says, do this, we should trust in him. If Jesus says to do something, we should trust in him. Even though it may be difficult, we should put our lives in his hands. But there are some times where people feel like God is calling them to do something and we don't literally hear the words of Jesus saying, yes, this is a good idea. Newhoff uh, says there was this pastor who wanted to make a very, very difficult decision about taking a church and moving it to a new facility. And the question was, is this the right time? Is this the right decision? And some people, some people said, yes, we should. And some people said, no, we shouldn't. It's not the right time. And he asked Newhoff, what should I do? Should we stay or should we go? And Newhoff told this friend of his, this is going to be a courageous decision. It's either going to be courageous and an act of faith or it's going to be courageously stupid. And he didn't answer the guy's question. <laughs> and sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? where we're out on a limb and we're asked to trust in God and we're trying to ask ourselves, is this the right thing to do or, or not? Newhoff gives us two questions to ask ourselves to assist in this kind of decision-making. Number one is, is my wisdom killing my trust? Is my wisdom killing my trust? I, am I overthinking things? Am I putting out too many cons? Am I, am I getting to the point where I'm using all of these excuses to get out of stepping out in faith? Sometimes we all do that, don't we? We talk ourselves out of taking that next step of faith. Here's the second question. Does my trust in God disregard all wisdom? Does my trust in God disregard all wisdom? Are people out there, smart, wise people who know the Bible, who have lived a Christian life, are they say, saying basically, hold up a second, don't go out there just yet, let's pray about this. You know, if, if my stepping out in faith is having a questioning effect in the wise people around me, I probably need to listen first, right? I may have not heard correctly. Ultimately, though, no matter if it is the right decision or maybe the wrong decision, 
This ultimately comes down to trust, doesn't it? It comes down to trust. Are we willing to trust that God is able through Jesus to do what he says? The people around there at the tomb had some wisdom. They knew that people who died usually stay dead. They knew that it was unlikely, impossible for Lazarus to get up and walk out of that tomb. But the Son of God, the Messiah, who's already worked six different signs, is standing right beside them. And he says, roll away the stone. What would you do in that scenario? Would you be walking towards the tomb or would you be saying, let's talk about this, Jesus? Trusting in God is not simply about jumping at every opportunity, but prayerfully discerning what is good and right for me right now. Am I allowing wisdom to hold me back or am I disregarding wisdom and jumping too soon? Ultimately, believing in God is gonna require us to prayerfully consider those things. And if we're ready to step out to trust, truly trust, just like the heroes of our faith mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Trusting in Jesus is an important part of this story of Lazarus. But it goes beyond that. Because if you've been here for enough of the sermons on signs, you know that the, the miracle, the sign, is not just about what happened and what we can learn from it, but about what it points to. What it points to. It's a sign directing us to something more, mostly about Jesus. This miracle, this sign points to the fact that Jesus has creative powers. That he is a life giver. That the Son of God is not simply out there doing miracles. That he is actually doing the greatest miracle to bring someone to life. No human being could call someone back to life after four days. The only person who could call someone back to life is the one who is in control of all life. Jesus is the very Son of God, the one who is sent by the one who created all things and can do the impossible. How many times in Scripture has something impossible been in front of someone. And a messenger, usually an angel, says to that person, with God, all things are possible, right? Think about Mary. Mary is there finding out that she is going to be the mother of Jesus, the Son of God. And her thing to, to, uh, to God through the messenger is, how can this be? <laughs> right? That's impossible, right? And the angel says, with God, all things are possible. Jesus is the author of possibility because he is the son of the living God. Nothing is impossible in the hands of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Whoever he is at this moment is revealed that he is the one who can offer 
life. And when he tells the crowd, unbind him and let him go, he's saying a little bit more about the kind of life he offers. It's not just about raising people back from dead ends to new life, but also unbinding them from the trappings of life. Where there are dead ends, Jesus offers possibilities. Where there is difficulty and pain, Jesus offers relief and comfort. He lets go of the trappings, not just releasing people from it, but helps erode those very things from our being. You may have heard of this as unbound living, that that God takes the things that used to trap us and gets rid of them from our lives, dissolves them, and allows us to be free from them. Christians over time have said that this Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, has helped them shed the wrappings of fear, of anxiety, of loss, and of grief. You can be freed from whatever you are facing and still be bound by some of these things. Almost like you're partially raised, but Jesus is the one who takes the whole thing off and finishes the job of unwrapping you to be completely free. But do you notice something about what Jesus does in this passage that I think is vital for us to understand? The sign points to Jesus being the one who raises Lazarus from the dead and tells people to unbind him. But does Jesus unbind him? No. Jesus doesn't unbind him. Jesus tells others to unbind him. The church are the people called to assist Jesus in his ministry in the world. We may not be able to raise someone from the dead. That's up to God. But we can certainly be like those people that helped unbind Lazarus. And so if there are people in this world who've been raised a new life, but they're still wrapped up in some of their issues or their history, their pain, their anxiety, their grief, we can be a part of helping Jesus reach that complete healing. Where there's fear, Christians can be there to offer hope. Where there is anxiety, Christians can be there to offer our presence. Where there is grief, Christians can be there to offer our support. But it can go beyond that. Where there is hunger and people are bound by hunger, we as Christians can be there to offer food. Where people are bound in lies, we can be there to offer truth. And where people are bound by war, Christians can be there to offer the peace that passes all understanding. One of the things that we might need to ask ourselves is if we truly believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, are we helping connect people to that one who can raise them to new life? And number two, are we looking for the ways in which we can help unbind them? Are there people in your life, in your community? Are there neighbors next door 
or across town that are bound in situations that God is wanting to rid them of? Are you being called to put your trust in him and to go and to offer presence or help or truth? This is a big question for us, isn't it? The signs point to Jesus being the one who can raise Lazarus, but the invitation is for us to help him and to serve others. Are we willing to put our trust in him, not only with our bindings? And are we willing to put our trust in him that he can help us unbind others? Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the calling that we have. The signs in John point us to see that Jesus is more than simply a rabbi who came teaching a new way of life. He is the son of God who unleashes possibilities where impossibilities once lay. And he wants to build up a church that doesn't believe in the word impossible. Oh God, help us to trust the signs. Help us to believe in your son Jesus and trust our very lives in his hands. And help us be the kind of church together and the kind of Christians individually who live that faith. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. And I hope that you found this message to be meaningful and life-giving. I look forward to you joining us next time, either on our live stream on Sunday mornings here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. It's at 10 o'clock a.m. Or if you want to join us in person, you're welcome to do so. Also here at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can find out more about our church family, who we are, what we do, and how to get involved, as well as more information about our worship services at www.bluffparkumc.org. Hope you have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next time.